0: Dr. Amanda Che is a time and business strategist helping entrepreneurs get their time back by maximizing efficiency with your team and business. She also runs and owns a naturopathic clinic, a supplement company, and runs a coaching business. So if anyone knows how to manage their time, it's Amanda. In this episode, we chat about how to establish goals for maximum revenue without spreading yourself too thin and working less, what burnout is, and how to avoid it, the best way to structure your day is for maximum productivity, and how she runs multiple businesses while still getting to ski any chance she gets. Amanda is a wealth of knowledge. I've already implemented some of her tips from this episode, and I'm so, so excited for you guys to hear it. So let's get to it. You're listening to Behind the Design Podcast, your digital version of co-working that takes you behind the scenes on how to create an authentic brand, build an intentional business, and live a life with purpose every single day. I'm your host and brand guru, Olivia Silvestro, here to equip you with the tools to wake up every day doing what you love and make money doing it. I'm so excited you're here. Let's get to it. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, me too. I can't wait for this call. Um, Okay, so before we get into how we know each other, our connection, all the things, um, tell us a little bit about you, your business,
1: and kind of how you got to where you are today. Perfect, yeah, so I'm a naturopathic physician. Um, I own a clinic and my town is just literally like five minutes up the road. Uh, I also have a product-based business, a supplement company, um, and do online coaching for other entrepreneurs. So that is kind of what I do where I'm at. But yeah, I started as a doctor and then being forced into entrepreneurship and now I'm just helping other people scale and grow without burnout because the most common thing I see in the clinic is burnout, stress, hormone imbalances from chronic stress and chronic disease from chronic stress.
0: Yeah, definitely. So were you, did you work as a doctor and then start your naturopathic clinic? How did you get there?
1: No, so I actually, so once I graduated, I actually took a year off school because I was so burnt out. I was literally serving pizzas to people that I had no (laughs) idea I was a doctor and just like getting like dollar tips. It was so awful, but, um, but it was good. I needed that break. Uh, And then my husband and I took a month and a half off and just traveled to all the different mountain towns in um, a couple provinces that we really liked because we knew we wanted to set up in the mountains. And then I ended up actually taking over a clinic from a different practitioner, which was really awesome. Um, except we had completely different practice styles. So when I took over, it was good because I had some patience, but I really had, I basically had to kind of restore the business from scratch. Um, which was great because I learned a lot, yeah. uh, yeah. And I've lots of insight and, uh, tips about t- hiring teams, firing teams, how to grow your business and scale in a way that is really aligned with who you are.
0: Yeah. That's amazing. I think that's so important when you're scaling a business. It's so easy to just be like, yeah, sure. I'll take on whatever clients because it's money. Yes. When it really has to align with what you enjoy because you will get burnt out.
1: Yes. 100%. That's okay. (laughs) Yeah. We'll definitely
0: touch on that more. So how long have you had the naturopathic clinic?
1: It's been almost four years now. Oh, wow.
0: Crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, and then sure. a little bit about your supplement company. So like, when did you guys start that?
1: Yeah. So that one, and that's actually currently going, like undergoing a lot of transformation right now behind the scenes, which I'm not going to, it's a secret. I'm not going to tell you yet, but um, that one I started with actually a friend of mine a couple years ago and then we ended up not working together which again we can talk about a little more if you want and then now there's a lot of behind the scenes works work happening but a product-based business is a lot different than owning a clinic is a lot different than um like mentoring coaching it's they're totally different worlds and yeah, it's, it's but yeah i love it and the reason why i started it is because i was seeing people like i said coming in with the same kind of concerns over and over and i know that there were certain products in the clinic that i was using a lot of and i thought well, these products are only available to people. Um, like you can only access them through a doctor. They're professional grade products. So I thought, how can I bring that to the public? So people can have high quality supplements without having to see someone. And obviously I'm not giving people diagnosis, go take the supplement. Just obviously I can't with my college, but it's, it was important to me to give people high quality products because a lot of people are, um, they come in and they're just on kind of like crappy products for lack of a better word that aren't really yeah. doing much. Yeah. yeah,
0: that's so interesting. I'm currently seeing a naturopath near where I live yeah. and she has kind of a dispensary Yes, uh, like right next to it. So anyone can go into the dispensary. They don't need to see her to go there. Um, yes. So it's an interesting concept because I hadn't realized that prior.
1: Yes. And you know what? That's really interesting because it really depends on the state where you live. Like right now here, I could not do that unless it was a separate business that was completely separate from the clinic. Oh. Yes. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's different rules depending on where you live. So.
0: Yeah. So many rules. Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. So all of that kind of led you to your business coaching and, mm-hmm. you know, helping other entrepreneurs. So do you yeah. t- like only work with other coaches and people that are own clinics or what's kind of your expertise?
1: Yeah. So where I started out, the reason why I started with coaching is that I was, Like before the pandemic started, I'd started offering um, group programs because I was starting to feel a little bit burnt out with just one-to-one directly trading time for money. And then when the pandemic hit, a lot of people's clinics really suffered with that and they lost a lot of income. People were not like the whole world was confused, right? So a lot of people struggled and I was very lucky to not have struggled because I had all these other different income streams in place. Um, So people were coming up to me and saying, Hey, like, how do I do what you did? So I started out coaching um, other uh, like wellness professionals. And I stuck with health coaches, nutritionists, because they're, um, called, like they're, they they're have a little bit less kind of rules around advertising, et cetera, versus the doctors. Um, but that expanded into social media managers, like dentists, like other people coming to see me that were already really established. Um, and then now I kind of work with more established practitioners or just like entrepreneurs in general that are really feeling burnt out, having a hard time managing their team or getting the right team. Um, people that just really want to get their time back and maximize efficiency and also increase their income. So,
0: yeah. Okay. That's awesome. So why don't we start from the beginning there? And so say someone comes to you and they're like, okay, I have this clinic and I love it, but I'm so burnt out. What do I do? What's typically the first step that you take in order to, um, you know, get there?
1: Yes, great question. So the first thing I always do is look at work-life balance goals and then finance goals, which is something that a lot of people kind of overlook. But first thing you have to do is how much money do you need just to survive, to run your clinic, etc. And then how much do you want to make for, let's say, to pay for your child's education, to pay off student debt, to go on holiday. You need to know both of those numbers and how much you need to make per month to get that. And then from there, you'll get work-life balance goals. How many hours a week, can you work while still feeling fulfilled, satisfied, not burnt out? And then based on those hours and your salary, that's how you calculate how much money you need to be making per hour, and then look at what you're currently doing and how can you tweak it from there. Can you increase your prices? Can you offer group programs? Um, Can you streamline the packages that you're already offering so it's less confusing? Can you outsource so you can spend more time in your zone of genius? It's, it's kind of like medicine, like it's dependent on the person, but you need to start with those two foundations first. Otherwise you're just going to build a burnout that, or a business based on burnout (laughs) essentially, based on that like hustle. Yeah,
0: definitely. So would you say then, or where would you say then is the first
1: place most people outsource and what's your advice around that? Right. Again, it depends on, I think the first place is usually social media. It just depends on where they're spending a lot of their time and energy where they don't um, where they feel like it's kind of more of a task that they don't like doing. So whether it's posting on social media or bookkeeping, those are kind of the main things that I see people outsource, outsource first. Um, but again, it just depends kind of where people are at and what they need the most and what they hate doing. Like some people really like writing their own posts. Some people dread it. So then that would be a good person to outsource. So yeah,
0: Yeah, that's what I always tell my coaching clients, you know, where are you spending your time that you don't love doing but that actually drives business. And that's typically where you start with outsourcing. So like exactly you know, or like marketing. Yes. You might not really, really not like doing that, yes. but that's what's gonna bring money and new clients into your business. So totally. that's where you should be outsourcing.
1: Yes, totally. And that's a that's a great point. And like, yeah. I just like focusing on what's something that you hate doing, but you know, needs to get done and like, get rid of that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So as far as
0: building a team and, you know, I think a lot of people are like, oh yeah, I want to build a team at some point, or Mm -hmm. I know that I need someone, but it's difficult for me to actually figure out how the finances work on that. Do you have any tips on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I always look at okay. So number one, figure out what you need to be charging. What are you charging? And then how much can you outsource that task for? So if you're charging $100 an hour, and you can pay someone, you know, $30 an hour to do that task, and then you can actually do more work that pays you $100 an hour, well, you're up $70 an hour. So it's really about like sitting down and looking at the numbers and seeing. Because for most people, it makes sense to outsource if you're already feeling overwhelmed, if you have a wait list of clients. So you can get in your zone of genius and do the things that are actually going to be making you more money, and not the things that are not making you money, right? Yeah, for sure. So I think that this is something that happened to me as I've
0: been scaling my team is really delegating and Mm -hmm. doing proper management of people. Yes, not so much management, but like, are they working on the right things? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, if you do have multiple team members, like three to four team members where delegate where where and who to delegate what to and this is something that i learned when i was in my first agency it was kind of like everyone had the same responsibilities like there was like 10 of us and we kind of like all did the same thing and even before i started my business i remember thinking like okay that is a huge flaw in the business was because everyone was kind of doing everything yes so As far as delegating, managing a team, um, I guess specifically in a, in a clinic or like a brick and mortar setting, what does that look like and how would you kind of manage a team or like what's your best tips for that?
1: Yes. So, so, I mean, the first thing is finding the right person. (laughs) If you, so number one is again, looking back at your list, what do I need to outsource? And then I always look with clients and say, okay, what kind of job description does this fit into? Or can we make a job description out of that? And then you find people that are experts in certain areas. And then you make sure that the job description is really clear. And when you're hiring people, you're looking for kind of red flags as you're hiring. So if you're looking for an assistant and they don't set up the interview time and they don't, and they're not really proactive, then probably not the right person. Like if you feel like you need to be micromanaging all the time, you probably need to be switching your team up. Um, But it's, it really starts with finding the right person. And then when I have the right person, just outlining those tasks. And I love giving my team a lot of like freedom and autonomy to make decisions so that they're only approaching me when it's something that's absolutely critical that I need to answer them to. So I try and train my team to be doing a lot of tasks on their own without me having to be micromanaging them. But again, that comes down to finding the right team member and making sure you're really clear with your boundaries and expectations.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. So what do you do to train your team in order to get there? Because I think that's the hardest part. I know for me it is because I... I have, my team is amazing. They do a really, really great job. Um, but I'm really bad at delegating. Cause I was like, Oh, I can just take care of it. So it's something I'm actively working on. So yes. how are you training your team and do you have like standard operating procedures in there or like, what does that look like to train them to kind of operate on their own?
1: Yes. So for, um, I mean, it, it really depends on where, like where in the spectrum they're at. Like I, really prioritize looking for people that are already kind of experts in that field so i'm looking for people that are already used to like for, for the office for example i'm looking for people that already know how to run the front desk already know how can really train themselves to do <laughs> the work that needs to be done and just give them the steps okay this is what you need to do show me that you can do it um, but again it comes really back to finding those people that are already really proactive and knowing what they're doing Um, So you can spend less time training them because they already have the skills and and, skill set that they need. (laughs) Like, can you give me a bit more example of what specifically your, um, like what the issues you're running into are?
0: So for me right now, it's, we are all spread way too thin. Mm -hmm. So our team is, we're just a team of three right now, but we need Mm -hmm. to expand to a few more designers. So everyone's pretty spread out. So rather than me sending back to one of the designers, like here, here's, um, you know, here's an update. I just decide to make it versus uh, them go on their own. However, it's something that we're working on. And in September, I'm taking a whole month off, um, because I'm getting married and going on my honeymoon. So every week I'm just reminding them, like I'm taking a month off in September. (laughs) Like we're really training. And I think it's important to know that too, is when you have the right person, yeah. you are able to make that happen and slowly train them over three to six months. Like you're not just yeah. going to hire someone and they get it right away. It's yeah. over time, getting, training them, knowing what's expected of them, like everyone having their set responsibilities and it not be kind of all over the place because that's after a year, you know, it's going to, they're going to, Get used to what you've taught them, and then that's right. when they start doing things on their own. So, is it more like different
1: graphic designers that you have working under you? Yes, I have a few designers that are working. Yeah, okay. So, like, so you basically brought them in and trained them how to do like design with your on your kind of with your standards, yes, yes, yeah, <laughs> okay, exactly. okay, perfect, yeah. So, I mean, I think it's just about being really clear about okay, this is. Olivia's role (laughs) and like these are these people's roles and having them really kind of separate and again giving them that autonomy to be like checking back in with people etc and just knowing exactly the the points that you need to be checking in with them
0: yeah yeah definitely I I totally agree I think that it's easy to I I see this in the girls that are in my mastermind I mean they have multi multi six-figure businesses and they're like doing design work and I'm like oh my gosh. how are you yeah. doing that and running a, an agency? Yeah. And I think in order to scale, you kind of in any sort of business, you have to put yourself as the CEO role. Um, yeah. and again, have everyone have their, know their roles and what is expected of them in
1: order for you to scale without yeah. burnout. Exactly. Yeah. You really have to let go and you have to have, like, I have a few key people that, cause really basic skills, like I don't know, uh, like, fig- like figuring out how to like set up an email marketing system. Like, I don't know how to do that because I just outsource that. So that's not something I had to train someone because I found someone that could do that. Yeah. But I have my, so I have myself at the top and then my two key players that are kind of managing everyone else below them. And then if there's a problem, then they come to me, but they're the ones that are responsible for training everybody else. So yeah. yeah, I guess maybe even just having like a key person on your side that can train everyone else so that people are only coming to you if something really like if, if, if it's like an emergency situation, essentially. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. I love that. That's so smart. So um, let's talk a little bit about burnout and mm-hmm. what you see, because you said in the beginning, you know, stress leads to pretty much everything is like the you yes. <laughs> all burnout and all that stuff. So what's the, you know, the key cause of burnout and then how to recognize one that you're in a burnout season. Cause I know for yeah. me, this was really, really difficult because I do kind of, I can run on E for a really, really long time. Um, yes. so like I might be like, you know, saying, oh my gosh, Olivia, you're fine. You're stop being a baby, like just keep going. So, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs can be like that because they're <laughs> like, Oh, this is just normal. Like I shouldn't mm-hmm. hustling this hard. So how yes. to recognize you're in burnout. And then once you've recognized how to get out of it and where to start.
1: Yes. So the one thing that I always like to talk about is there's a lot of research coming out now, how employees experience burnout differently than entrepreneurs. So if you're, and I just have my notes up here, but if you're an employee, it's emotional exhaustion, depersonalization, decreased sense of accomplishment, if you're an entrepreneur, it's more like physical breakdown, mental exhaustion, and actually lack of challenge or boredom is one of the burnout aspects for entrepreneurs. So physical breakdown in your body would look like problems sleeping, eating, concentrating, um, things that normally wouldn't stress you out are really irritating you. You feel just kind of on edge all the time. and That would kind of be when you're more at the overwhelmed state, when the cortisol levels are too high. Um, mental exhaustion, so trouble decision-making, brain fog uh, thinking is making you physically <laughs> exhausted. Um, and then the boredom would just be after growing your business, you just feel bored because of that lack of challenge. But I actually have this, um, which is like super nerdy of me, but I'll just show you. Um, this is, uh, this was based on high-performing athletes and stress. So basically pressure versus performance. Okay. And they found that the U zone is when you're really in the zone focused, motivated, um, you're getting things done really efficiently and that's kind of, this is a high pressure, low pressure. So that's like a middle, medium pressure situation. <laughs> so as soon as you're starting to feel a little bit overwhelmed, so like I was saying before, feeling like you're just more irritable, more agitated, things that normally wouldn't bother you are bothering you. You need a few extra cups of coffee to get going. You're having a hard time getting to sleep. You're feeling a bit more anxious. You wake up worried about business, thinking about your clients, et cetera. That's when cortisol levels are too high. And then you start to get into fatigue, exhaustion, burnout. And this is when cortisol crashes. And burnout and depression are kind of on opposite uh, ends of the same spectrum. So when your cortisol levels are too high, like I said, that's more of that overwhelm, anxiety situation. And that's when you know that you need to be, <laughs> that's when you start paying attention. Because if you keep pushing that, you're going to get that crash. And what happens is your brain is your adrenal glands. We can't make cortisol anymore. And then it suppresses that function. And, but cortisol gives a lot of energy. And so that's when you're no motivation, lack of uh, like no energy, exhaustion, feel like you need to sleep all the time. Um, and unfortunately, I see a lot of people that come to the clinic in that stage have been put on stress leave because they've reached that burnout stage. And there's a lot of alarm bells that go off before that. And I think you're right. As entrepreneurs, we just kind of like push, push through that.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's so interesting um, to hear because, yeah, you know, those are all things that happen. I've definitely been there. So, yeah. and I think... You know, there is a push and pull season. Hannah talks about this all the time. Um, and it is easy to just get caught up and like, okay, I'm bringing in yeah. all these clients. I'm excited, I'm inspired, but then literally crash, like be yeah. unable to, you know, go from there. So yeah. if you feel like you're on the brink of burnout or you're already like at the peak of overwhelm, yes. what is your best suggestion for entrepreneurs?
1: Yeah, so if you're overwhelmed, so if you're burnt out, you need to stop. So if you're already feeling exhausted, burnt out, like you just can't get tasks done, you can't think, you need to take a break. You can't keep pushing because the issue with not having that cortisol level where it needs to be is cortisol also helps protect against inflammation. So if you've lost that protective mechanism, you're setting yourself up for chronic disease, faster aging, pain, et cetera, which nobody wants, obviously. Yeah. So you need to actually like physically take a break take time off work, go on a vacation, like really decrease your workload. That's when you really start outsourcing. Um, If you're in the overwhelmed state, that's again, you need to start outsourcing. You're kind of on the brink of burnout. And that's when you need to be doing more, readjusting your time, maximizing efficiency so that you're working more in those hours where you have more energy. And then again, taking more time off, making sure you're exercising. Um, I like using herbs and nutrients to help kind of calm the nervous system down. Whereas if, when you're burnout, you need things that help build the system up. So yeah, the biggest thing is taking a break. Like the, if, you're, if your body's used to being in that fight or flight, our bodies love doing what we're used to do. So if you're in that fight or flight all the time, your body will just stay there. You have to actively remind it to come down. So if you're feeling overwhelmed throughout the day and you're listening to this saying, Amanda, oh, I can't take any time off then literally just stop. If you're feeling overwhelmed, you're having a hard time focusing, just stop, set your alarm for five minutes from now and just take five minutes to do nothing. And what that does is it tells your brain, we need, okay, we're getting back into parasympathetic and just doing that a few times a day already starts to retrain your brain to get, to bring those cortisol levels back down.
0: Okay. So good to know. So that's such a good approach. Well, a more scientific approach to, I think what we have already known, but I, that's very interesting. So As far as time management and maximizing your time working. So I think what's hard for everyone to kind of wrap their mind around, especially people that live in North America and America, just because I'm speaking from experience is hustle culture is (laughs) real and it's like success equals busyness, busyness equals more money. And then it's just kind of like a never ending cycle, which as entrepreneurs, we know that that's not true. It is possible to work less and make more money, but implementing those habits to make that happen can be really difficult. So do you, as far as coaching specifically, or like your coaching clients, do you have them set work hours or what kind of boundaries do you have them put in place? Or do you specifically put in place in order to kind of control or support the non-overwhelm?
1: Yes. So, I mean, again, it depends on the client because everyone's different in terms of where where we can shift their boundaries. Um, but I'm going to tell you a quick story before I answer that question. Yeah, for sure. I have a client who, um, or I had a client who was a social media manager and she was working a lot. Her packages were kind of all over the place um, and she was working like 70 hours a week. We sat down and actually looked at what she was charging versus how much she was working. And then she... We realized she was only making $7.88 an hour. And she'd oh been working, which, and that's Canadian. So that's like $5 American, right? And, but she had been doing that and she's been hustling and thought, okay, this is how I grow. But she's like, I'm at capacity. How do I actually grow if I can't, if I literally have no more time? Um, and for her, it was about, okay, upping your prices really streamlining your packages. So instead of just saying, okay, for this person, I'm going to add this extra thing and they pay extra for this and just having it all over the place. Like, okay, I only offer one or two packages. This is what it is. This is what's included. This is what you get. This is the price. Um, And then outsourcing and really being strict with your time. So like, for example, the way that I set my schedule is, and this, it takes trial and error to figure out what kind of works the best for you but I really think batching your time. So I will do, like I do patients four days one week and then two days the next week and I see them in four hour chunks and I just see them back to back. So I'll see like 10 to 10 12 patients just back to back. Um, and then I'll switch and then do something completely different in the afternoon. But the, if you are kind of doing, let's say you see, you have a meeting and then you're checking emails and then you're doing social media and then you're like, oh, maybe I'll write a post and you go back to a meeting again every time you switch tasks, you're losing. Um, And I think it was like, I can't remember the research exactly, but I think it takes like five minutes for your brain actually to get refocused into that task. So if you're even just doing those switches 10 times in a day, you've already lost an hour of your time. So it's really about just kind of maximizing that. And again, it's looking at where are you most efficient um, in the day? Typically people are most efficient in the morning because that's when your cortisol levels are highest. You should be able to be more focused, but it's Picking those times, working really efficiently in those times so you can have more time off and really scheduling that time off. Um, yeah. And dispatching and having really clear boundaries around time. So don't answer emails all the time. If you're answering emails as soon as someone emails you, you're training people that you're going to answer emails and be there all the time. Whereas if you say, I have a 40 hour response time and take that 40 hour, 48 hours to respond, then you're training people to be more empowered to make decisions for themselves instead of always relying on you all the time. Right. And that same with kind of team management as well.
0: Yeah. I love that. I think that's so true. I was actually just talking to a client this morning on a coaching call and she was saying how she allows clients to voxer her. So she's a designer. So she has clients emailing her, messaging her on Instagram and voxering her about different projects. And yeah, I was like, you must just be answering people all <laughs> yeah. day long. Like, yeah. what are you doing? And so oh, yeah. we're trying to get that boxer out of the way, so and yeah. only answering your emails. And I've actually noticed um, this quite a few times, actually. When I've emailed a few people, they'll I'll, I'll get an automatic response that says, "I only answer emails my yeah. my inbox on Tuesdays and Thursdays, or something like that." Yeah. And I've actually seen that quite a bit, and. I really respect that boundary and it allows me to be like, okay, well, she's going to answer me when she's ready versus just like quick responding.
1: Yeah. And that's something I learned in clinic. Like I've been, I've had that for like almost four years now in clinic because I realized if I'm answering people's emails, they're like, oh, she's available by email. And then it's really, again, having that team member to be, so now I don't even touch my emails unless it's something really important that a team member can't answer. (laughs) And that's just been years of training my team. Like, no, I don't do emails if someone needs to talk to me. They have to book an appointment, and that's just kind of how I operate. And people actually respect that because they're like, Oh, like her time's really important. And if I need to talk to her, like I need to schedule this specific time. But then yeah. that way, too, I can be really fully present for those people instead of just like juggling a bajillion things, right?
0: Yeah, I love that. I think I want to do that.
1: I don't yeah. have
0: else I hate. Totally. I'm really, yes. it's not so much that I don't like answering them, I'm just very, very bad at it. Like even texts or phone calls, like yeah. On our, our team boxer, yeah. for our mastermind, I am just terrible at answering. Like it takes me forever. So yeah. I really shouldn't be in charge of it anyway.
1: <laughs> no, I have a gatekeeper. I love having a gatekeeper to emails and then that way. And it just takes so much pressure off you. And it's just like, those are the boundaries. And the thing is, once you set a boundary, it's like I said, it's just easier for everyone because everyone knows the expectation when, at, when there's not boundaries, that's when things get frustrating and, and, um, like unclear and muddy, and boundaries are just so good. And you can have like nice, loving boundaries, like it doesn't have to be like an evil boundary, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think that's
0: important as you're scaling your business because you are getting pulled in in so many different directions because you're kind yeah. of introducing new services and yeah. talking to a bunch of different types of clients. Um, and you know, again, like you said, where is your time best spent? It's mm-hmm. probably not answering emails and no. <laughs> managing people. It's you're no. spent spend in the clinic, speaking with patients, speaking with um, your clients, that's where your time is best spent. So yes. as we said in the beginning, for everyone that's listening, the best thing to do is write down everything that you're doing and yes. figure out what it is that you don't like doing at all, but yes. that's making you money
1: and where yes. you should outsource. Exactly. Yeah. And like when you write down what you can be doing, like, or what you need to be doing, get really specific about it. Like for me, the things I need to be, the only things I actually need to be doing are seeing patients, seeing coaching clients, and then doing things like this, like PR, like podcasts, like being on video on social media, literally everything else I can outsource and everything else I mostly do because after I'm done this, I'm going to go for a hike because I have time to do that because it's just outsourced and you actually, make more money the more you outsource, because then you have more time to do the things that are actually making you money, if that makes sense.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's like, it sounds so simple, but then actually doing yeah. it, you're like, oh my gosh, how, 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 mm-hmm. how make that happen? But yeah, exactly. that's it's so just cool.
1: starting slow. Starting slow. Yeah. So like, if, if you're like, I can't afford to outsource right now, or like, just think, okay, what is the one thing, if you had that done for you, it would take a huge weight off. And so a lot of people, it's like, oh, my inbox, like my inbox drive me crazy. So, I mean, you could hire someone for 30 bucks to go through and clean up your inbox and that would save you like weeks of anxiety <laughs> and just start slow. And once you realize how much time you save doing that, it, it, it just becomes automatic. You realize like, oh, this is something I need to do. I mean, like I had a full-time receptionist before I even had a full booked out practice because I knew <laughs> that if I, if I was trying to do reception myself, I'd reach this point of like this threshold where I couldn't actually serve people more.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. When I first, the first person I outsourced, I paid her $350 a month and she did, which was a lot, which it was like a lot for me to do that. But she did my social media. I think she just like engaged and posted and did did things like that. And it saved me so much. It was like 30 hours a month or 30. Exactly. Yes. Think about if you had thirty-five extra hours yes. a month, what you would be doing and you're filling that time with things that are actually making you money. So really exactly hundred and fifty dollars that I was spending, I made like ten times that because I was bringing, exactly
1: I had extra time. Yeah. And that's your time. Like you can I remember Dr. Christie said, and which I love this, I was in one of her presentations and she said, You can you can never get you, you can always make more money, but you can never get your time back. So like stop sacrificing your time. Yeah. Uh, And when you said about that North American hustle, I mean, like I lived in Europe for a year and that's when it really kind of clicked for me. Because there, people take an hour for their lunch. They take, they spend the whole evening just relaxing, enjoying themselves. They, after work, they go for an aperitif. They're not rushing to do this and this and this and this. And I was like, what? Like, people live like this? And it's just a total, it's totally a mindset cultural thing. And I really believe that if more kind of female entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs in general start embracing that, building the business without the hustle, then we can, we can hopefully change how people are working and just the way that our, like North Americans are, like our lives are, because again, like I see so many people that hustle, 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 and then they retire. They're waiting their whole life to retire and then they retire and then they're diagnosed with some sort of terrible condition or they have really injured themselves. Like something bad happens and they've saved their whole life working for this moment. And then that moment's gone. And it's like, if you could make, take those moments throughout your whole life, that would be so much better. Yeah. That's such an interesting observation. And that's
0: really why I quit nine to five corporate yes. because yeah. I was like, why would I wait until I'm retired when I can just live right now and work you yes. know, 30 hours a week? I think exactly. it's important to know that as an entrepreneur and just remind yourself over time, like I started this business to spend more time doing what I love to not, yes to take longer vacation days, to, you know, Be able to go to happy hour with my friends at three if I felt like doing that. You know that's why you do it, not to you know burn yourself out. And again, there are seasons for that. Like there's always going to be a push and pull season, but it's important to know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and you're not just like on this never ending spiral. Like if you find yourself burnt out and overwhelmed, um, unable to scale, and making five dollars an hour because you're working such little um, or you're charging so little and working so many hours, it's important to come back and be like, okay, where can I outsource? What, where am I going wrong in this? Yeah. Um, Okay. love that. So as far as health and entrepreneurship, um, you know, we see a lot of, I see, you see a lot of those high level entrepreneurs, like, Mm -hmm. Tony Robbins and, you know, those really high level entrepreneurs and they're doing things like waking up at four in the morning and jumping on a trampoline and, you know, do drinking a ton of water, whatever it is that they're doing. So (laughs) clearly it's working for some people. So if you had to suggest like implementing a high performing habit, it could even be like herbs or supplements. I'm curious to hear what you have to say about that. Um, What do you say? Is like the first step to becoming like a healthy entrepreneur, aka yes. not in hustle culture.
1: Yes. And the other thing that I'm gonna say, which is like maybe a bit controversial, but because I see a lot of these high-performing people in my clinic, <laughs> um, don't like, don't believe everything you see on social media. There's a lot of people sure. saying I have work-life balance, I'm so relaxed, etc. but they're coming to see me <laughs> because they're actually burnt out. So just yeah, so be gentle with yourself because you have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. Um, but the, when people do come see me and they're burned out, the top things are again, maximize, maximizing efficiency. Well, I can talk like, how can you stop wasting hours <laughs> and time and like figure out where you can best maximize your time so that when you are working, you're getting stuff done. And like I said, there's lots of other tips I can give about that, but that's number one. Number two is supplements. I love supplements. If you are and supplements, I always say are not—they um, are used to help supplement. If you're not actually changing your lifestyle on top of it, then <laughs> then you're not doing it right. Um, if you're feeling more overwhelmed and that kind of anxious state, you need something that will help balance cortisol, but also calm the nervous system. So to balance cortisol, I like using like ashwagandha, um, holy basil. Uh, those are rhodiola. Those are the main ones. And then to calm the nervous system, like valerian passion flower, lemon balm. And that's, that's actually what my uh, complete calm supplement is. And then when people are burnt out and they're really exhausted, I like using things to help kind of build the system back up. So using a lot of nutrients like B vitamins, magnesium, vitamin C, Um, using licorice that's really good at helping one decrease inflammation and two balance cortisol and using actually glandulars which are you can actually take a little bit of adrenal gland from a pig which sounds really weird but it really helps to bring like build up the like that um, that stress response system Um, and then with maximizing efficiency and time taking breaks like this is something that people don't do. And it drives me crazy. And they're like, well, I don't have time to take a break. You have to make time to take a break. Cause like I said, if you're always in that fight or flight mode, eventually your body is going to force you to take a break. Cause you're going to get sick. Um, and when I hear people say, well, when I take a break, I do get sick. Like every time I go on holidays, I get sick. Well, that's because your cortisol is always so, so high. If your cortisol is high, it is protecting you from viruses. But as soon as you take a break, that cortisol level drops and you've lost that immune protection. And that's when you get sick. That's why you get sick when you're on holidays. So. Right. Oh, that's so interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, it's like, it's just taking breaks. I mean, I think also doing what works best for you. You have to be like, obviously eating well, <laughs> like no processed foods, just eating whole foods as much as you can. But I mean, to, to get your cortisol up in the morning, the first thing you should do is expose yourself to light to get your cortisol down at night, blackout blinds, no screens before bed. I mean, those are just very, very basic things. And if you want to like get up at 4 a.m. and jump on a trampoline, you can. But I think just starting with the basic things um, and like I said, taking a break, maximizing efficiency and just getting some of those herbs in there are, are key.
0: Yeah, I love that. I take um, ashwagandha. I take a lot of things Yeah, <laughs> going through. I have um, epstein Bar. Oh, yeah so i'm just super tired all the time um yep. and then it's inflamed with stress and all that stuff yep. so i'm just taking i'm taking a bunch of um supplements yep. I like 10 <laughs> i take like dim detox um yes. ashwagandha echinacea i don't know i have like a whole list of things
1: that I yes
0: did, but yeah. it's
1: yeah. a um yeah. But yeah, I'm like five supplements is like my max of patients are in over five. It gives me anxiety. So yeah, always, oh,
0: I think it's good five. It feels like 10. It feels yeah. like a lot because I take like four vitamin C tablets a day. Okay. So yeah. it like, seems like a lot of it.
1: Yeah, yeah. But, but like with that, like with the chronic viral infections, like those low-grade viral infections, the biggest reason why those are allowed to persist is from that chronic stress again because if your body's not regulating the immune system then the virus is just kind of allowed to to hang out there so it's good that you're doing all those herbs to yeah help. Well, it's
0: really interesting because apparently i've been feeling like this probably for about a year but mm-hmm. i i was able to like kind of keep it under control or would just have to sleep for like a really long time if i yeah. if i knew that i was going to do something like for example, my friends came this past weekend. So I, if I knew that I was like, okay, I have to like catch up on a lot of sleep mm-hmm. prior to that. Um, but the last like five months we have been in a huge push season with yeah. uh, the business. We moved, um, I started, uh, the mentorship side of my business. So it has been yeah. highly stressful. Yes. Um, so it makes a lot of sense why it's yes. like a <laughs>
1: lot worse now than it, yeah. than it was in the last year. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, that's, you can actually do like in Canada, we don't have a lot of the Epstein-Barr virus testing, but there's a lot of like really good tests that I'm sure your naturopath did uh, in the States. <laughs> you guys have awesome tests
0: on there. Yeah, we just did all the blood tests and then yeah. I'm doing another like food test as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. so I don't really know. I'm just kind of, this is my
1: first time with a naturopath, but I'm okay. just loving it. Yes. <laughs>
0: I yeah, love it's so that. awesome! It's this like is
1: the type of doctor I should have been seeing my entire life. Yes, yes. I know. And we have time to take time with patients and really dive deep and oh um, yeah. She asked yeah. me so many
0: questions. Like I was there for over an hour. Yeah. Asking questions. So yes. really stress. What I realize is stress is like the baseline of pretty much everything
1: that goes on. Yes. Yes. And that's why I think I'm like obsessed with talking about it, even with hormones. A lot of people come to me for hormones, but the reason why women are having heavy periods, crampy periods, spotting between, before periods, between periods, anxiety, insomnia for the period is from stress. <laughs> like Stress literally changes the way our body makes hormones and focuses on trying to produce more of that cortisol, that stress hormone, and, and doesn't worry about our other hormones. Yeah, that's so interesting
0: because I initially went to her because I thought I had hormonal imbalance. And yeah. she was like, okay, first of all, get off birth control yeah. and let's balance your everything how it should you know, using your natural hormones and all of that stuff. Yeah. And then we'll go from there. But she was like, try to reduce your stress. Only only yeah. work like four to five hours a day. Yeah, Offload a bunch of things. I started on all the supplements and then I did, did the blood yeah. work. I had Epstein-Barr and then just have like yeah. going from there. So it's yeah. really amazing. And what I realized going through all of it was how important your health is as an entrepreneur. Cause I was like, oh yes. my gosh, like I need to sleep all day today. Yeah. what am I going to do? What, like I would have to, you know, kind exactly. of figure that out. So it was really, um, interesting and helpful. Yes.
1: Yes. Cause if you cannot perform your best, um, then it's, you're not like your business is going to be performing the best. And like I said, eventually your body is going to say, nope. And then you're going to like, if you're feeling like, Oh, I'm on the verge of burnout. Eventually you will burn out if you don't take a break. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, Okay, so, so good. So I wanted to touch on one other thing before Mm. we um, end, but um, as far as like goals, so I'm a super goal-oriented person. I know that Mm. you are too. Um, And we kind of touched on like the work-life balance slash financial goals, but the way that I like to look at things is like, okay, you have your yearly goal and then Mm. you move back like, monthly and then, or per quarter, per month, per yeah. week, per day, whatever that looks like for you. So yeah. when you're looking at like a huge, like long-term goal, like it might be like mm-hmm. a yearly goal, um, even longer than that, like a three-year goal. What does that planning process and like habits look like for you and how do you coach your clients in that?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And goals like have shifted a lot for me and actually working with A business coach that's more in the business world made me think about goals and quarterly because I always thought about them in like in monthly before. So now I've kind of stopped doing that. Like it's good to compare, but I mean, there's natural seasons, like you said, in business. And sometimes it'll be busier, sometimes it'll be less busy, and just eventually you'll learn those those seasons. But um, yeah, I mean, I like I said, like with the work life balance, I always work backwards. So it's like if your goal from three years from now is to do this, like how can you make that happen? So starting with the hours. And I know I had a mentor do this for me. It's like, okay, well, what hours do you want to work? Okay. Well just now just work those hours. And I was like, well, I can't just change my hours. like, yeah, do it. And then figure out how to kind of make the money from there. And that was like a really weird way. And that's not the way I do it with clients, but it's like really focusing that work life balance piece and working way out from there. So yeah, I, I really start with the time piece and then reorganizing packages pricing and then going from there. And again, looking at by quarter, I don't do it. Do you do it by day a lot? Um, I, I'll do it by week. Okay. Well, so
0: I do what you were saying, like time batching. So I'll do like my calls Tuesday, Thursday, and then Monday, Wednesday is client work. And then Friday is kind okay. of a hotel day. So I'll look at like, so for example, this month or this week, I'm wanting to, so I'll do it like, okay, my goal for April is to launch a day a master class or some sort of yeah. free training for designers yeah so what do I need to do in order to make that happen and then set goals for each week so like this week I need to like kind of map it out and figure out what I want to do it about then next okay, week I see. I'll kind of create it and then the week after that so that's kind of how okay I, I see what you're saying yeah
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah I think I'm um yeah, I think I may be a bit more like global with the goals. It's like, okay, what are, like I said, the big work of life balance, the big financial goals and working your way from there. And then instead of maybe having mini goals, I think I just have more tasks. So it's like, well, what do you absolutely need to get done this week to achieve that goal? And again, yeah. it depends what type of business you have. Like if you're doing more of a coaching, like a high ticket coaching um, and you're charging $10,000 for a client, I mean, you don't, need to have a client every month necessarily, unless like, you know, you might have three clients one month. So again, it just really depends on the type of business. If you're doing one-to-one service, then yeah, you got to be paying attention to the weekly and the monthly goals. Yeah. Cause if you're not hitting those, you got to do something different. But again, if it's like a big, um, like a bigger ticket offer, then that can kind of shift a little bit. Yeah,
0: definitely. I think it's important to like, I always say this is to know your numbers and then backtrack from there. So like, what's your gold number? how many clients you need in order to make that happen. And then how are you going to achieve yes. those clients? So I'm always like, what's the how? Like, how is it going to happen?
1: Different depending on the person that I'm working with. Because some people are better with more rigid goals. Some people are better with more flexible goals. Some people need more of that. Okay, this is what I need to accomplish each day. Some people don't. Like, it just kind of depends on the person. But, but I like hearing your answers. I'm like, oh yeah, like I should probably start thinking about it like that. But I'm just like, whatever that person needs, like that's where we go. Well, I think that's important though,
0: because I know for me, when I was first starting out, I was like, okay, really successful people. They wake up at 5am and they go work out and they do all this stuff. And it's like, I'm not going to do that every day. Like, there's no way I can do that. So it's really important to like know you, your habits, your Mm -hmm. body, what helps you work um, and what works for you, because that's. What when you're gonna achieve like maximum growth and like time management and all that stuff.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And everyone is different. Like I this example came up for me in clinic. Like I have people that are like, okay, black or white, like I'm just gonna like cut sugar out of my diet and that's it. And then you have people that are like, Well, I have like five cups of or five teaspoons of sugar in my tea and I have 10 cups of tea a day. And they're like, I can't stop sugar. It's like, okay, well, like what can you do? Is like, is it realistic for you to take down by one teaspoon per cup? And it's like, yeah. So you've got to make goals that are actually achievable. Cause if you set a goal, that's like, I'm going to make a million dollars by next month and you don't achieve it. I mean, you're going to be crushed by that. you got to yeah. be something that you can actually do. Yeah, yeah,
0: definitely. No, that's so true. Um, okay. Awesome. This has been so good. So tell us how we can stay in touch with you a little bit about the types of services that you offer actually. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. How we can stay in touch with you.
1: Awesome. So yeah, my Instagram is at, at Dr. Amanda Shea. So D-R-A-M-A-N-D-A-C-H-A-Y. That's where I spend most of my time. Um, also on there, you can have access to my mailing list. I'm in the middle of creating a new kind of freebie quiz. So I don't have that up there yet, but I am always featuring different community members, et cetera, on there offering free kind of information. So definitely sign up for that. Um, and right now, like talking about streamlining packaging and services, I have my clinic, obviously, which is just for local, uh, we people in British Columbia. So if you're watching us from BCI, <laughs> um, I'm not allowed to um, be a doctor for people that are outside of my province. I have online education hormone platform um, for, for hormones and you can find that on my Dr. Mandache Shea Instagram. Uh, but for coaching clients, I, I just do six month packages. That's all I'm offering just six months. Um, and that's really to help people get their time back, increase their income and then really kind of get their systems with their team and strategy in place. So by the end of those six months, you are saving a lot of time. And like I said, have increased income and are really maximizing your team and efficiency. And that's what I love. Like I'm obsessed with helping people do that. And just the other day of my clients was like, yeah, I actually had time to go skiing with my kids. The first time in a year, we live five minutes from the hill, she li- she's local. And she's like, and like, I, we loved it so much and it reminded me why I'm here. And she's like, I bought season passes for my whole family for next year. And I know that I'm going to have the time and the financial freedom to do that. And like, that is what lights me up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's so amazing. I love that. So, okay. So cool. So I'll add all of your things in the show notes so everyone can see them. Um, But yeah, this has been so amazing. So helpful. I can't wait to re-listen to this already.
1: yeah I know me too I know your tips are like so good I'm like awesome thanks Lydia. <laughs>
0: yeah well thank you so much for being here Amanda yeah no worries nice to see you you too. bye bye <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I'm Olivia Silvestro, the owner and brand guru at Current Design Studio. We are a brand and website design studio for coaches and wellness businesses. So we specialize in creating impact-driven brands and websites that convert your visitors into high paying clients. So if this is your first time here, thank you so, so much for being here. To my OG listeners, love you. Thank you. And of course, as always, if you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It helps me out more than you know. I will see you in the next episode.